So as you see, we are in a shipwreck theme. This um, whole week, we're going to be talking about how Jesus rescue us. No matter what circumstance we face, no matter what trials we have, no matter what we're feeling, God is there to rescue us. And this morning, we're kicking it off with when you're afraid, God rescues. Can you all say that with me? When you are afraid, God rescues. That's right. How many of you have ever been afraid? Something there. I have. And I was trying to think of something like, okay, what are the times I've been afraid? And I've noticed the theme. They're all about animals. <laughs> Random dogs coming, snakes on the trails. Um, and I have a, fears tend to be irrational. Like logically, you know, maybe not. Mayflies, yes. Mayflies are awful. That, that one terrified this week. And also, I have this weird fear of being sprayed by a skunk. Never once have I been sprayed by a skunk. Never have I encountered a skunk. But it's my fear. So when I walk outside, I'm always jingling my keys, taking out the trash, like making noise so it scurries away. I don't know. I did have one that I thought was a skunk on my deck. I'm walking up, and you see this little body in a rodent in the dark? And it was black and white. I'm like, how do I get in there? So I did my keys, and it was a cat. It jumped off, like panic moment. I'm sleeping in my car tonight. But again, we all have fears, common ones, certain animals, claustrophobia, arachnophobia. But we're going to see how many other fears that you guys know, different phobias. So I found random ones, things that people are afraid of, legit phobias. And so we're going to name a few and see if you can guess what they are the fears of. So our first one, octophobia is the fear of what? Is it the fear of octopus, words with eight syllables, or the number eight? What do you guys think? Shout it out. Some B, we hear octopus. Let's see, which one is it? The number eight. Random. I don't know why the number eight, but that is one of them. All right, cineophobia. Is it the fear of chins? Oh, genius. Sorry, that's a G. Geniophobia. Is it chins, genies, or ancestors? What do you guys think it is? Something ancestors? All right, let's see what this one is. It's the fear of chins. I don't know why. Like, random. I don't know. Again, irrational fears that sometimes you can't control. Okay, the next one. Bossy, bossy phobia. Is it the fear of jumping, the fear of holes, or the fear of falling? Falling holes. Think you guys are right. Falling, the fear of falling. I know some people who fall a lot. I don't know if they have the fear of that still or what. All right, one, I think we have one or two more. That. Oh, I can never say this one. The lassophobia. Is it the fear of compasses, the sea, or being kidnapped by a pirate? Let's see what it is. It is the sea. Fear of the sea. All right, I think we have one more. Lachanophobia. Is it the fear of vegetables, milk or cheese, or meat? Let's see which one it is. It is vegetables. Kids, how many of you have fears of vegetables? Come on. <laughs> All right, so yes, today in our story, so those are some random fears that people have. Um, but in our story today, we're going to learn about a time when the disciples were afraid. And that you're not scared, Patrick's not as scared of anything. But the disciples were scared. There was a time when they were encountered with a, a frightening situation. But as we're going to learn, that when we are afraid, that God rescues us. 
All right, thank you. Let's give Miss Steph a hand. If you got your Bibles, I want you to get them out. If you want to borrow one, there's some in the seats or in front of you or near you. And we're going to put some of these verses on the screen. But I do want to tell you a story today about a time when the disciples were afraid. So go with me in the book of Matthew. And while you're going to Matthew chapter 8, our ushers are going to be handing out some lifesavers to everybody. As a, remem- as a reminder that when I'm afraid, Jesus rescues when I'm afraid, Jesus rescues. Everybody needs a lifesaver, right? Yeah. All right, so you can, you can hang on to those or eat them now, or parents, you can have that battle if you want about if you're hanging on to them or eating them now, but go with me to Matthew chapter number eight. And I'm going to begin by, in verse 23, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. We're going to read down to verse 27. I'm not sure if I'm hearing pages turn or candy wrapper, but it all sounds good. All right, are we there? Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. If you didn't find it yet, look up. There it is. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. All right. Here it is. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Now look at verse 27. It says, the men were amazed, and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now that's an incredible story. And there's three things that I want to tell you today that you need to remember when you're afraid. As, as Ms. Steph has already uh, showed us, everybody deals with fear on some level. Some might be small little things that we can even laugh about when we get scared, but some fears are not so funny. And there's three things I want to tell you that you need to do when you're afraid. So if you're a note taker, you might want to write these things down. The first one is so important. The first one is when you're afraid, remember, you are following Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you, the hardest verse in this story for me to understand is the first verse that we read. And the reason it's so hard is because verse 23 said that the disciples followed him. How did they get in this storm? They got in this storm doing exactly what Jesus said to do. Now, if you've ever gotten in a bad situation where things were messed up, your life was messed up, things were not going the way they were supposed to go, but you know the reason you got in that situation is because you did something you weren't supposed to do. That storm makes sense, right? We understand. You you, you sow bad seed, you get a bad 
harvest. And, and if you have poor choices, you're going to get poor results. Those storms I can deal with. Anybody ever been through the school of hard knocks? You know what I'm talking about. You, you've been there. You've learned. Anybody still trying to pass that, that class? You still haven't graduated from the school of hard knocks, right? So when we make bad decisions, it makes sense to us that things are not going to go well. But what's so hard about this story is the Bible says that Jesus even told them back in verse 18 to get in the boat. We're going to the other side. And so they were doing what Jesus told them to do in that moment. And if you ever get into trouble and you've been doing the things that, that God told you to do, it can be frustrating. You can start to feel like, are you tricking me here, God? This, this isn't what I this isn't what I thought was going to happen. I'm obeying you. Why are things not working out? Now, I know we're already in, in the service or anything. Have you ever been in a situation where you, you kind of felt like God bean-boozled you? Like, you know, you, you thought you were doing the right things. You thought you were doing what he wanted you to do. You, you're, trying to follow, you're trying to do it all right, and then, oh, it's not pear. Not pear at all. It, it, it wasn't what it was supposed to be. You ever been in that situation? If you have, you know the tendency that the disciples felt in this moment. Didn't Jesus say, get in the boat and follow me? We're going to the other side. So they did what they were supposed to do. They followed Jesus, and they found themselves in the middle of a furious storm. And if you've ever been in that situation before, maybe you've asked questions like this one, or maybe you've heard others ask this question. If God is a good God, why does he let bad things happen to good people? You ever heard somebody ask that before? We're trying to process and understand why, why would this happen? If, if, if I didn't disobey, if I didn't do wrong, why are things going against me? It's a storm. It's irrational. It doesn't make sense. You know, someone asked C.S. Lewis one time, they said, why do the righteous suffer? And I loved his answer. He said, why not? They're the only ones that can handle it. And that might not be the answer you'd want to hear, but maybe that's true. The reality is that there is nowhere in the Bible that tells us that, that following Jesus exempts us from the storms. In fact, anyone that said following Jesus is safe never read the New Testament. They never read it. But in the story that C.S. Lewis wrote, one of his most famous stories, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Anybody read that story? Maybe you saw the movie. I love that story. In that story, the children are about to meet Aslan, who is the lion, who in the allegory of the story, he represents the character of God. And, and I love this conversation that one of the little girls, Susan, has with Mr. Beaver. He says... Aslan is a lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. And can I just echo that line by saying Jesus is the king? Amen. He is the king. And, and 
Maybe everything in your life you wouldn't call good, but he is safe. And that's why, number one, you have to remember when you are afraid, remember that you're following Jesus. He's the one you're following here. You see, the severity of the storm that you're in does not determine the proximity of the Savior. Here they are in the middle of the storm, and the Bible says Jesus is in the boat. Not only is he in the boat, he's sleeping. See, John 16, 33, Jesus said this. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Jesus is right there. You need to remember when you're afraid that you're following Jesus because the severity of the storm does not determine the proximity of your Savior. It might not feel safe, but you can be held in his safe and loving arms. And and I love as we read this story and look at it closer, what the next verse tells us. Look at verse 24 in Matthew 8. It says, suddenly, suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake. You ever had a storm come up suddenly? It says, so that the waves swept over the boat. Imagine being in this storm. The disciples are scared. They're panicking because the waves are coming over the boat. I don't know a lot about boating, but I'm pretty sure the waves are supposed to go under the boat. And they're panicking. And then they start yelling for Jesus, but this is crazy. I mean, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Look at what it says. But Jesus was sleeping. Can you just imagine being in this boat? I mean, they're, they're rowing the waves. I mean, they're, they're throwing water back out faster or as fast as it's coming in. They're lightening the load. They're throwing cargo. They're screaming. They're panicking. They're saying, we got to do something. It says they thought they were going to die. That's what they believed in this moment. Like, it's, it's over. I mean, Jesus, you know, he can feed the multitudes with five loaves and two fish. He can raise the, the sick and he can open blinded eyes. But we are about to die. This is how it ends right here. Matthew chapter 8 will be the last, the last chapter. They thought they were going to die. And in the middle of all their panic and in the middle of all of their their worry and their fear, here's Jesus. (laughs) Taking a nap. Storm's raging. Jesus is just relaxing. And they're, they're screaming. Finally, the Bible says... They looked at Jesus and they said, don't you care? Don't you care that we drown? That's what Mark tells us. Don't you care that we drown? And Jesus is doing the one thing that communicates more than anything else that he's not worried. I mean, could he do? I mean, what else could you do to say, I'm not at all nervous right now, except to just lay down like, yeah, this feels like a good day for a nap. You know, I, I thought it was interesting that Mark actually tells us Jesus laid his head on a cushion. Like, I don't know why he gave us that detail, except maybe to say that Jesus was always prepared. I don't know. I just feel like maybe Jesus knew, like, you know what? This is going to be a great opportunity to take a nap. 
Seriously, if you think about it, do you think Jesus knew that they were going to have a storm when he said, get in the boat, we're going to the other side? You know what? I would say absolutely he knew. In fact, he had been teaching them about his authority. He had been teaching them about the kingdom of God. Over and over, Jesus was communicating his power and what he could do. And, And this storm was on the test. This was a part of them learning. And so Jesus, in this moment, gets really quiet. Do you ever notice when you have a test that the teacher stops talking? Teacher's quiet during the test. And this was a moment for them to pass the test of belief and not doubt. And so here they are in this moment, and they are they are surprised. But here's the second thing that you need to remember when you're going through a storm. When you're afraid, remember, Jesus is never surprised. He's never surprised. You might be, you might be shocked. This might be one of those suddenly things you didn't expect to come. All of a sudden, you showed up for work on Monday, and that envelope didn't have a bonus in it. It had a pink slip. And the boss says, we're downsizing. And like a rogue wave, boom, you go to the doctor, you sit down for the consultation, and he says, it's cancer. Boom, thunderclaps in your soul. Or, or you go back to school, and, and somebody that used to be one of your best friends decides now they want to be a bully. That doesn't make sense. What did you do? I didn't do anything. I don't understand. But it's like a storm. And suddenly, all of a sudden, a furious storm comes against your life. I want you to remember in those moments when you're shocked, when you're upset, and when you're not really sure what to do, keep this in mind. Jesus is never surprised. In fact, I was thinking about Jesus laying on the pillow. And in my mind, I went back to Genesis. You remember in the story of creation, The Bible says on the seventh day, God rested, right? And yet the Bible also tells us that he never slumbers or sleeps. And so God didn't lay down because he was tired from making everything. God rested to communicate and to set a pattern for us in the cycle of Sabbath. He did it to teach us something. He rested so that we would know the Lord has given us six days for us to labor and the seventh day for our rest. And I just got to wondering if maybe Jesus didn't have the same motivation for taking a nap. If maybe as the the clouds are rolling in, Jesus is going, yep, this looks like a good opportunity. I'm just going to lay down over here. I'm not really tired, but I'm going to get the pillow that I packed and I'm going to lay down. Because this is about the moment where they're going to start to scream and cry and freak out because everything is going the way they didn't expect it to go. But I need them to know that I am the living word, which means not only is everything that I say the word of God, I can't sleep with this microphone on, (laughs) but everything that I do is the word of God. Because he is the living word. So don't just listen to what he says. Watch what he does. And the word of God is communicating something in the middle of the storm. What he's communicating is, I am not surprised. I'm not wringing my hands. I'm not nervous. I'm not anxious about anything. And, And God is wanting to communicate to us today in the middle of fear. Jesus is never surprised. Now, he might not be up in heaven with his head on a pillow this morning, but the Bible does say he is seated on a throne. It is established. 
He is in control today. He is sovereign, ruling and reigning over our lives. He's not surprised at the news you got this week. He's not despairing over the options that you can't seem to to come up with. He is in control. He is not at all surprised. And this was a moment for the disciples to begin to do something. While the teacher's silent in the test, what they have to do is they have to remember what he already told them. And that's the third thing today. When you're afraid, remember what he told you. Remember what he's already said. Look at it with me in the story in Matthew chapter 8. It says, verse 25, the disciples went and they woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. We're going to drown. In Mark's gospel, they said, don't you care? And that's the question sometimes we ask when our prayers just out of frustration, we can say, Lord, don't you care? I mean, if you cared, I wouldn't be going through this. If you cared, you would have answered me. If you really cared, this would not have happened in my life. And these are the moments when you're afraid, when you're unsure about the future. You have to remember what he's already said. Of course he cares. Of course he cares. And that's why the next verse says, Jesus replied. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. You know what they learned that day? They learned that when you're afraid, Jesus rescues. When you're afraid, Jesus rescues. It took them a little while. They had to go through some stuff, but there was something that he wanted them to grab. When you're afraid, Jesus rescues. And not only does he care about their situation, but he cares about their soul. And that's why Jesus didn't just stand up and rebuke the waves. You know, a lot of times that's what we do. When we pray, we look at the circumstances we're dealing with. You know what the waves were? The waves were the effects. The waves were the results. The waves were the consequences, but Jesus doesn't just deal with the consequences in our life. He deals with the causes. And so before he ever uh, rebuked the waves, he rebuked the wind because the wind was causing the waves to jump over into the boat. And Jesus looks at the issues of your heart and of my heart today, and he doesn't just speak to the consequences. He speaks to the cause. He goes right to the core of who you are and who I am, and he wants to bring peace He speaks peace to the very thing that troubles your heart. But because he loved them so much, he didn't just speak to the consequences. He didn't just speak to the cause. He also spoke to them. He rebuked them. He said, why are you of such little faith? Why are you so afraid? And the reason that he rebuked them and not just the storm is because Jesus understood something. He understood that the greatest storm that they were facing was not on the water. It was not the waves that were coming over the bow of the ship. The greatest storm they were facing was the fear that was coming over the bow of their heart. They were afraid. And it was unbelief that had triggered that fear. And Jesus was trying to teach them something. He was trying to show them, look, the next storm might look different than this one. 
The next storm might not go the way this one's going, but the unbelief will be there. The temptation to give in to fear will be there. And so it's not just about wind and waves. It's about the unbelief in your heart. And Jesus rebukes them. He says, why are you afraid? You of such little faith. Believe. Believe today. And Jesus begins to speak into their heart belief and not doubt. And the disciples learn a valuable lesson. As they learn that Jesus is not only the the miracle worker, he's not only the the one who can preach to the multitudes and, and heal the sick, finally they get the answer to a question that they hadn't even asked yet. And can I just tell you today, that that's like the, the pinnacle of the perfect teacher. He leads them to the answer to the question that they haven't even asked yet. Look at verse 27 in the story. Here's what it says. The men were amazed, and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. That's the question that Jesus wanted to answer all along. They needed to know, what kind of man is this? And their answer was clear. This is no ordinary man. This this is not an ordinary man. This is a man who can speak to the storms that you're facing and cause them to subside. This is a man who can speak to not only the effects of the storm, but to the cause of the storm. He's the one that can look into the very soul of your life and speak towards your fears and your unbelief and change the circumstances. That's the heart of Jesus today. He wants to answer that question in every heart. What kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? I'm going to tell you what kind of man Jesus is. He's the God man. He's God in the flesh. And when you're afraid, Jesus rescues. He rescues. He he comes in and he rescues us. I'm going to challenge you today again with these three thoughts. When you're afraid, remember, you're following Jesus. When you're afraid, remember that Jesus is never surprised. You may be nervous about your situation today. He's not. He's in control. His throne is established. And you need to remember in the midst of whatever storm you might face, what Jesus has said. He's already spoken. He's already spoken over your life. Yeah, I read a story this week about Guam. It's a 200 square mile island in the far western Pacific Ocean. It's a U.S. territory. And I was reading this fascinating story. Back in 1941, Japan attacked and took possession of Guam. Many of you that are history buffs, you're well aware of of this. But the United States then came and fought back to repossess the island of Guam. And by 1944, the war was over. World War II had ended, and all of the Japanese troops that were there began to flee the island of Guam. Now, here's the fascinating story that I read. It was during that time when the Japanese forces were all leaving the island that a Japanese Imperial Army general named Sochi Yokoi was left behind. While all the troops were retreating, he was entrenched deep in the jungles, and he was left behind. 
He had a mission to harass the local people and to continue to, uh, to cause problems for them until support came. And so not knowing that all the troops had left and not knowing that all the rest of his army had already left the island, he continued to do that night after night. He would sneak out of the jungles and he would burn people's fields and he would cause problems. And some of the local villagers figured out what's going on. There's a soldier in there who doesn't know the war's over. And so they had planes fly over top of the jungle and they all dropped down literature to let people know the war is over. And so Sochi got one of those leaflets and he read it. War is over. There's peace again. But he didn't believe it. He said, no, no, this is a trick. I know what you guys are trying to do. You're trying to get me to come out of the jungle so then you can arrest me and you can kill me and, and I, I'm not falling for it. And so he goes back into the jungle and he hides. He made a hole about three meters deep in the ground and about two and a half meters wide. And he had a little air hole so that he could breathe. And he spent all day living in that hole. And then at night, he would sneak out and he would live on rats and frogs and mangoes and nuts and shrimp. How many of you would like those jelly bean flavors? That's what he lived on. And so they decided to try again. They actually flew the planes over again. And this time, they dropped down copies of Japanese newspapers, front page news from his homeland saying the war is over. It's over. He later said, I, I got the news, and I knew the war was over, but I was afraid that I would be punished if I came out of hiding. And so he stayed there for 28 years. The war ended in 1944, and it wasn't until the early 70s that people finally tracked him down in his little hideaway in the jungles of Guam and convinced him it's time to come home. And he came home and he was celebrated and welcomed and given a hero's welcome. When I read that story about Sochi, I just thought, wow, that's amazing that back in 1944, he received the good news of peace. The war is over, but he didn't believe it. And so he stayed hidden away in a cave. And I just wonder this morning, how many of us have received the letter that God sent down in his word? He sent us a message saying, you don't have to be afraid anymore. You can come out of hiding because peace has already been negotiated on your behalf. Jesus came and he gave his life. He paid the penalty for your sins. You can be free. You can go home. You can enjoy life. And yet we have these promises and we look at them the way that he looked at that newspaper and we go, I'm, I'm just not sure if that's for me. I want to tell you today, when you're afraid, Jesus rescues. He rescues. Remember who you're following. Remember that he's never surprised by any of the things that are going on in your life. And remember what he said, because his word is available. And the Bible tells us God has not given us a spirit of fear. The spirit that he's given us is a spirit of power and love 
and of a sound mind. That's what he wants to give you today. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back. And in just a moment, they're going to sing that song again that we sang earlier that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. But before we do, I want to pray for you. So I'm going to ask you, if you will, right where you're at, if you'll just bow your head with me for a moment. Because I, I believe there might be someone or maybe many someones in this room today that if you're honest, you would say, I, I have never decided to follow Jesus. I'm not talking about going through the motions of some religious practice, being baptized as an infant, or even praying a prayer just to pray a prayer. I'm talking about the sincerity of giving your life to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. So right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask a question, and I want you to be honest with God today. If you're in this place and, and you've never accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, Here's what I know. I know this message was for the oldest child of God in this room as much as it was for the youngest. And I don't care how old you are or how young you are. If the Holy Spirit is calling you today to salvation, to put your faith in Jesus Christ, to be the Lord of your life, to forgive you of your sins, and to give you a place in the family of God, if that's you today, I want to pray for you. So right now, on the count of three, I want to ask you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Aaron, that's me. I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need him to forgive me of my sins. If that's you, when I get to three, I want you to just raise your hand. One, this is just between you and God. Two, we're not asking for perfection. We're asking for a decision to say today is a new day. If you want that in your life, Three, raise your hand up right now. Say, Pastor, that's me. Pastor, that's me. Amen. After you've raised your hand, you can put it back down. I'm still looking, though. People are still making decisions right now to give their heart and their life to Jesus, to say, God, I need to give you complete control. Amen. Amen. Or right, you can put your hands back down. We're going to pray this prayer with you. Now, listen, the words, the words in themselves cannot save anyone. But the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So I want you to pray this prayer after me. I'm going to give you the words, but I need you to give God your heart. Church, would you pray it with him? Let's say it together. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Thank you for bringing peace for removing from me the consequences of sin. Today I'm forgiven. By faith, I'm saved. My life is changed. I'll never be the same again. Jesus, help me to live for you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we just welcome those that prayed that prayer into the family of God? Come on, let's give God praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.
you to stand with me all over this room. We're going to do something significant here at the end of this message. I know that young and old, every one of us, we've faced some fears in our life. More often than not, have you noticed fears are just anxiety about things that may not ever happen. The enemy would love to have you live in fear of the future or in fear that your past is going to be discovered. One way or another, if he can keep you in yesterday or tomorrow, he's got you beat. The Bible says God's mercies are new today. Today is the day of salvation. God's grace is sufficient for the moment. So today we want to end this service. We want to do something significant. We're going to end this service the way we're going to end every night of Vacation Bible School this week, starting tonight. We're going to invite the kids to come around these altars and have a moment where they can surrender their life, their heart, or whatever they're facing to the Lord. So this morning, I'm going to ask the adults to join in with us. And as these kids lead us in this song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. While I pray this prayer, I want to ask you if you'd be willing to step out from where you are. If you're here with your family, take this opportunity that we don't usually have on a Sunday morning to come as a family and just pray together. I believe there's something powerful that God can do in an altar. And so we're going to open these altars for the last few moments. Now, some of you, you're going to be coming just to pray with others. I want to just give you a little uh, instruction. Would you, If you want to come and pray for someone, just gently place a hand on their shoulder. Just pray God's love and God's favor and God's peace over their life and over their heart. But we want this to be a moment, not just as families, but as the family of God. Amen? Would you come as I pray this prayer? Let's fill these altars this morning and let's just take these last five minutes and let's seek the face of Jesus together. Come on, church. Father, we thank you today that your presence is in this moment right here today to calm every fear, to bring clarity where there's confusion, to bring faith where there's unbelief. God, if there's anyone that struggled today coming in this door, may they leave with a greater understanding that Jesus is leading us that Lord we can be held safe in your loving arms Lord you are good you are good and you're for us today God help us to remember today not only are we following you but Jesus you're unshaken today on your throne you're in control God may we cling to your great and precious promises that are ours in Christ Jesus I have decided to
spoken over our hearts and lives. Thank you, Lord, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises up a standard against him. God, thank you today that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Thank you, Lord, today that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. So, Lord, today we cast off fear. We thank you, Jesus, that you are a great rescuer. God, we pray that this word would be implanted into our hearts and in our lives. God, I pray that this week, as beginning tonight, as boys and girls are brought into these moments of encounter with you, Lord, let the truth of your word conquer every lie that the enemy has spoken. God, I pray today a special blessing of favor upon all the volunteers, those that are going to be teaching the classes and, and leading in the crafts and providing the snacks and working with the kids. God, I just thank you, Lord, that that your strength, your favor, your blessing, your protection is going to be on this house this week. So God, as we go out of here today, Lord, we carry your presence with us in sunshine and in rain. God, you are in the boat with us and we have made up our mind. We are following Jesus all the days of our life. It's in his name that we pray. And everybody said amen today. Amen. Come on, let's give him praise one more time. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. Our volunteers will see you tonight at 530. Bring your kids and check them in. Have a wonderful week.